0: Each Monday, they discuss, dissect, and debate a single issue impacting the world of promotional marketing from every industry perspective. Now, it's time for Promo Corner's Industry Insider. Welcome to another edition of the Industry Insider, your promotional products podcast where you can get all the nerdy news you need to know about. My name is Jeff Franklin, National Accounts Manager with Hedware USA, and I'm joined today by three other lovely folks. But before we get to them, uh, this broadcast that you're about to uh, indulge in is brought to you by our good friends over at TechWeld USA. And look, made in a world filled with worry regarding overseas products. They offer many USA made products to help separate themselves from the promotional products pack. Uh, They've got a lot of custom packaging at Techwell. They like to create new every day. Uh, Their custom packaging division is a great example of that. And each box takes on a life of its own and they work uh, or they can work to really meet your custom specifications regarding packaging, which is pretty awesome. And, uh, you know, look, uh, it's summer, it's hot uh, in a lot of different places out there. If you're outside, protect your eyes. weld has got a lot of great sunglasses. they actually the, uh, the Distributor Choice Award winner in the sunglass category uh, in 2019. And uh, they've got a lot of sunglass, a uh, lot, of, lot of sunglass skews, and they're FDA approved. And they offer UVA and UVB protection. So go be sure to, uh, to check them out at TechWeld.com. That's T-E-K-W-E-L-D.com. Uh, I promise you, you won't be sorry that you did. Uh, good folks and good, good product. So, uh, like I said, joined today by three other lovely folks. Why don't we say hi to uh, Mr. McFadden because it's been a minute since we've talked to him. How was your trip, sir? It was great.
1: We um, just got hmm. back from Disney, and uh, we took advantage of not the biggest crowds. And my daughter got to dance at, uh, at Universal Studios, so it was a uh, it was a good time, man. We had a we had a great time, and it was. Uh, I'd say I would say going to Universal felt like a normal theme park because it they don't have the capacities there, uh, as like Disney does, like the limitations, and it was thousands and thousands of people. So, um, it it was it at was funny. Point, I, yeah. At what point
0: did you freak out?
1: <laughs> well, okay, so we're going into the uh, the Shrek right, like the Shrek thing, and um, you know, there it was funny. They were saying like, oh, Yo, you can't do stuff with characters and visitors because we're still practicing social distancing and then you get loaded in for the Shrek 3D and we're in a room and they're yelling at everyone you know get tighter get closer to the wall we can fit more people in here and there's you know hundreds of people now we're all touching I'm like oh well I guess we're not doing that anymore So, so it just it I was like well okay it's it's over here I guess I guess we're not worried about it anymore but um yeah. I no, no freak outs. I think being, being vaxxed helped me not worry about stuff like that. So yeah. still concerns obviously, but you know,
0: it's helpful. That's cool. Meg, you just had a birthday. Happy birthday. Yes. Uh, I still remember when you just turned, uh, 30. <laughs> um, 21. 21. <laughs> you
2: no, know, it was nice. Um, it was very relaxing. We were on vacation as well. We're up in Maine, not a lot of service. So I came back to a lot of work <laughs> i still haven't gotten caught up on just the the facebook messages or all the emails but yeah i'm really excited and have some new apparel to hang up got a new adidas oh. sweatshirt that we just got in super excited about that so yeah otherwise i'm ready to get back to work
0: little shameless plug from Meg over oh, there.
3: Oh, <laughs> there.
0: so yeah how does it feel to have uh you know wi-fi again does it feel good to be connected to the world
3: it, it
2: it does like it, when I can look up stuff, but then I'm like, ugh, all this, all these notifications. My OCD is like I can't. But yeah, it's nice yeah. to have it
0: that's that's how, exactly how I would expect it. Well, we're also joined today by a very special guest, Ben Taylor. Uh, ben, you've got a lot of industry experience uh, and come from, you know, a, a different place. And so really excited to, to talk with you today, but it's customary around here to give our special guests a good three to four minutes to introduce yourself. Uh, tell us who Ben Taylor is, how you got started in the promotional products industry, and what the hell you've been up to since.
3: All right. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah. It's been, uh, it's been fun getting to, to this crew here uh, over the years and uh hopefully my internet connection stays stable we've got some wild storms down here in houston are right you, now so i you apologize amazed? in advance <laughs> 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 yeah i followed over uh, the uh, uh you know this the start for me in this industry is it really dates back to uh you know before i was a, a, a twinkle in my father's eye my grandfather on my mom's side uh started a company called Barker business forms. And as we all know, forms turned into printing it turned into cards and turned into promos from, uh, from the fifties, you know, to, to now in 2021. And so, you know, our family legacy goes back in this industry a very, very long time. And I swore I'd never get into it to be you know, <laughs> to be uh, very brutal, uh, and honest about that. Um, but, uh, it, you know, my dad worked for him uh, in the eighties and then he started a company called Northern Virginia press, which is uh, a wide format, uh, kind of, uh, Flexographic. I mean, it may not have been flexographic. I could be lying. Uh, printing uh, shop, <laughs> but uh, they uh, uh, and he had that through the '90s. He sold it. He started a distributor before he was a supplier, and he was out there hustling and grinding on t-shirts. And as a kid, I was you know always interested in kind of what he was doing uh, in, in the '90s when I was in high school, and uh, so I started paying attention to to that and uh, kind of taught myself you know, the basics of graphics and things like that, and, uh, and had a knowledge of it. But then I left, I joined the Marine Corps, um, lived that life for, for a while, and then kind of uh, ran around the, the, the world in uh, and, and management consulting and, and uh, um, all sorts, and, and private equity, and all sorts of different uh, types of roles. And then uh, I landed at Bam Bam's which was really my first step as an employee in the industry, even though I always was around it, you know, my, my entire, uh, you know, 37 years of existence thus far. That said, um, BamBams was a unbelievable experience. Uh, my dad created a great company there. He's got some of the strongest people in the industry with Ben Chase and Zach Harvey, uh, and, and the team that they run there. Um, I was incre- incredibly proud to, to be a part of that company. Uh, it taught me an unbelievable amount about sourcing and supply chain and a topic that is you know, really near and dear to my heart is, uh, is a strength, with a strength at BamBams, it is our strength at, at PMGO, at PMGOA. And, uh, uh, it gave me an opportunity to create a platform and build a brand around myself. Uh, there goes my life. Hopefully when it turns it back on, it didn't. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, uh, sorry about the darkness guys. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, it, and I took a little break from the industry. Um, I, it was, uh, you know, it turned out to be a very healthy decision, uh, for our family, uh, for me to, uh, and my dad to part ways. We are very alike, uh, strong-minded, uh, stubborn, uh, individuals, um, him way better at it than i am but uh, uh, that's okay and uh so i took a break i went and uh led growth for a cybersecurity company uh and then uh came back actually this crew here had been recruiting me for a number of years i've known them for a long time at our private equity group level and at the leadership level and uh it became the right time so uh they called me um and i wasn't in the market really for anything and uh they gave me a shout and uh, i said hey megan um do you want to move to to texas and uh, you know start something new and have an opportunity to kind of be a part of something really cool and she was like well you know i'm uh, 33 weeks pregnant and <laughs> so why not let's uh, let's roll the dice and uh, here we are that's she's cool. a good
2: girl she's a good girl
3: she's the best <laughs> Yeah,
0: very very cool story. Uh, yeah, we actually had uh, David Geiger on not that long ago as well, and he he obviously grew up in the business as well, and yeah. and swore he wouldn't get in it. I believe it was was his story. <laughs> so it's it's incredible how this uh, this industry just sort of sucks people in, man. It's uh it's such a great industry, and uh, you know it's certainly near and dear to my heart as well. So. Uh, and you had mentioned, uh, you know, the the supply chain and production sourcing and all that good st- or product sourcing and all that good stuff is uh, sort of near and dear to yours. And uh, that's actually why we've got you on today. We want to talk about, you know, the, so- the sourcing and supply chain and how it's changing moving forward with uh, the current situation and predicament that we're in and uh, sort of what to expect in Q3, Q4, and then moving onward into 2022. So. Uh, why don't we just uh, sort of dive right into it, man? Um, of so what, is, what is your take about what's happening right now? And, uh, and then we can sort of dive in and have dialogue amongst the four of us with, uh, with sort of your, your experience in it.
3: Yeah, I think what's happening right now is, is, is really in it interesting. It's kind of a paradigm shift in the direction that we are going to be moving as a, as a country. Uh, you know, a lot of it was started with what uh, 45 did um uh at the you know at the presidential side of things a couple of years ago Uh-oh. uh exasperated COVID and uh it, and so it it created can can we hear me am i cutting out my internet dropping um occasionally it okay. flickers so, but i have my apologies that's uh, uh, all right but uh it, it's really interesting and then you know China, China has been having these major political shifts uh, over the past couple of years and, and really you know the Han ethnic group um, this past year is causing massive policy changes that are going to affect us in 2021, 20, 2022 and the years moving forward. And if you look at that, you look at everybody's shift from production on stop, stopping manufacturing and what they were doing and shifting to PPE, especially in our industry uh, so that they could survive. Uh, 2020, uh, it it created such a lag. You don't realize how much as suppliers uh, we plan ahead from a uh, a milling perspective or a manufacturing perspective, and we don't even realize it. Like when we're doing demand planning, you know, we may be thinking six months to twelve months out, but in reality, all those decisions ha- truly do have a butterfly effect, and we're really affecting supply chain twelve to thirty six months out. And so when everything happened there, it just created this dramatic effect. And uh, it's brought us to a point now where as businesses in the US, we're trying to really shift away uh, to other countries. But the problem is, is China has a, a labor force that's four to four and a half times larger than the entire US population, right? Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's so massive. And countries that were moving things to like Vietnam, Malaysia, uh, Honduras, uh, Ecuador, uh, you know, all over South America and, and p- other parts of uh, of Asia, they don't have the infrastructure and the workforce, the labor force to be able to handle the demand, the massive demand that the U.S. market puts on these things. And so you, we, we'll get into talking about the port and shipping lanes and stuff shortly, but as we, you know, we consider all of those things, if you look at it just from a raw numbers perspective, our catch up is really probably... 12 to 16 months out. until we're in a healthy place as an industry. And it really may be a little bit beyond that.
0: Hey, ben, just oh, go ahead. Go ahead no, I was just going to say, I mean, that's an interesting take. Uh, I'm sure there are a lot of people that uh, we're, we're winning friends, letting them know that it's 12 to 16 months out. <laughs> go ahead, Steven. Sorry.
1: I, I was just going to ask in your opinion, that, that catch up, is that us? Is that things being resolved in places like China or is that, more shifting and more infrastructure up, like upfits in different countries. Like, where do you think that solution comes from?
3: Yeah, well, so, you know, as the globe, globally, we're probably never going to catch up to China's economic growth rate, right? So probably grow eight to 10% this year, which is a massive number. They're the fastest growing economy in the world. Uh, they'll probably remain that. And so they'll remain the powerhouse from a supply chain and manufacturing perspective however it is just incredibly vital at least in my opinion <laughs> my partner's opinion here a lot of the other suppliers that i speak with uh on the back end every single day um is that we really have to have a fundamental shift in reshoring uh our efforts uh whether that be in other countries which it will be uh but really domestically uh you know one of the uh, i'm throw a little bit of a shameless plug in here but it's, it's important to the 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 talk and what we're talking about today is One of the most things that we're focused on and one of the reasons that I'm here today is that reshoring aspect. It's creating that domestic manufacturing processes uh, from soft goods to hard goods uh, and and creating a pipeline and workflow here in the United States. And I know other suppliers, the major suppliers in our industry are also heavily focused on that. You know, there's like even a conversation with, you know, uh, with my dad at Bam Bams. you know, they've, they started that company as a, as an import only company, and they've had a fundamental shift over the past couple of years. Cause he foresaw this coming, that they're going to create the domestic manufacturing process and make changes. Even the best sourcing companies on the planet, uh, are, are really reshoring their, their, their focus. So like we may have, you know, a, a, our Chinese office for, for, uh, uh for sourcing and for, uh, you know, quick turn sourcing and long-term inventory, right? We have, that, but now we have a focus in Malaysia, a focus in Vietnam, a focus in South America, uh, but really uh, a massive equity play, uh, you know, financial play here in the United States to, to really band together uh, suppliers and create these domestic manufacturing facilities. I don't know if even with the economic state and the, and the resources that our com- our country has uh, that will ever fully... Uh, get out of China. Uh, I, I think China will probably remain 80, 90% of our entire supply chain, especially in this industry uh, for probably the next 10 years. Um, but that. you know, it's it, it's going to be a primary focus to move it.
2: Ben, what was that percentage that you said? What was that percentage? I missed it.
3: Probably mm-hmm. 80
2: to 90%. That's what I thought. I actually was going to write that down and see if you knew because that's, and I think that's where you started off by saying this all started kind of with 45. I think he was trying to you know, bring more reshoring. Is that right? And then COVID hit, obviously. I mean, I feel like even with this reshoring, I mean, I, I remember hearing, um, I don't remember the exact fact, but it was something along the lines of the, the cereal that you're eating now, that packaging was literally just made like 30 days ago or something mm-hmm. along those lines. Um, Jeff, maybe you had said it, but I know we've yeah. This, this topic, I know we talked about it before, this topic is the new COVID topic, everybody. I know we brought it to you with Chris and we, uh, a couple other people in the past, but it's because it's so relevant. And I mean, you can't go a full day without hearing about a supply chain issue. I mean, I was just telling the guys, I jumped in that group first thing this morning on Facebook. And the question was, does anyone have stock in anything that's gonna take less than four weeks to get? And I, I clicked out of it because I it gave me anxiety just seeing <laughs> that it did. Um, but that's insane 80 90% of the goods that we depend on in this industry coming from there and it's hard because you it's it when making it a hat you know you have to get the buckle the the thread the cotton the tw- whatever it is and it's the same with apparel or promotional products something is required from there to fulfill the entire order and and that's where this delay is um, i like i want to talk about the container issue quickly but only because um, i tried to take a picture of it twice and i was going by and almost missed it when i was up in maine um, on our way to Bar Harbor from Banger, there was um, there was containers stacked up for sale. And I was like, "VJ, how much do you think they are? He's like, oh, probably like a couple thousand dollars. I was like, wrong. You are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, in 2018, they were, you know, 1800 bucks. In 2019, they're 24. I said, those containers are probably minimum $15,000. I don't even know what they were selling them for, people to make homes out of. I was going too fast to look, but... Yes.
1: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Steven's got it. Yeah, I we, got you. For those
3: of for those of you who want a little bit of an investment hack, containers are the play right now.
1: If you're, <laughs> yeah. you're
3: sitting on if you're sitting on containers, this is the new uh, it's the new AMC.
1: Hey, so you guys will get a kick out of this. On Facebook, there was an advertisement for these container pools. And I saw it and I was, I just got angry. I was like, we need those for shipping. I was like, "Put putting your water <laughs> in it. Like, I was like, no more mini houses and pools. My
3: my yeah. lovely wife, Megan Zezo wants a container pool so bad. Like oh, the yeah. glass ones, we were, we were, yeah. we were eyeing them, but uh, yeah, it's uh we do need those for shipping. So please, stop <laughs> please, please stop getting your container pools. <laughs> <Yeah>. and-
2: <laughs> If you want to yeah, stop, I mean, stop making it, pools out of our transportation vessels, okay. I'm yeah, gonna put, it, it, I'm gonna
1: create another graph of the impact on container pools on shipping. <laughs> <laughs> the price. And
2: those, the container <laughs> houses are making those too.
3: No, they're pretty cool, uh, you know. Uh,
1: I'm a dreamer. Hey,
3: I, I've looked at them before. Hey Ben, you, meant,
1: you mentioned um, domestic manufacturing, and, and I know it's a topic that we've we've talked about a couple of different ways. And my my personal opinion is I. I believe that you can still create jobs by creating overseas production. You know, obviously there's people that are still employed and our strengths are in certain places that are not in other countries. And you mentioned labor force. And I think that's something that we should chat about because how, how do we foresee, especially with the current labor force issues with specifically in production, uh, not being able to get people to, to come to work or go to work or hire people? How how can we get people to do production jobs if there's such a gap right now in in that field? Is it automation? Is it you know like what's that? What do you
3: think that is? It, it's it's gonna take a lot of uh, of minds to to, to get together. It, you know, eco- well we'll just go for it. Um, <laughs> I'll be I'll be real direct here. Um, the, the, the economic challenges that we're facing as a country right now are really extremely disruptive to our labor force. And if you look at what our country is doing from a wage perspective, it's creating this massive gap, which ultimately is going to create a huge rise in promotional products uh, in, in our cost because our operating costs are, ra- are rising at a dramatic, dramatic percent. Um, and you have, you know, uh, uh, leaders in the, technology leaders in, in workforce, the, some of the largest employers in our country. And was, I, I fully understand why they're raising wages. I'm not against raising wages. Um, and I, and I, under, you know, I I get it, right? However, when you look at where we're at as, com- as companies, as suppliers and what we went through last year, uh, just in the supply chain, having to f- furlough or lay off a lot of people uh, on the workforce side of things, because we were selling PPE, uh, instead of uh, instead of manufacturing tumblers or wristbands or whatever that may be, and it caused this butterfly effect that was looming for the past couple of years as as these uh, wage conversations started happening, and so now we're at a place uh, in the industry where if we can get people to come back to work right, like shortly here when unemployment shift uh, changes and people are going to be forced economically to, to go back to work, th- that's gonna make a change in the industry. However, you have this, the huge, uh, huge rise in wages and those huge, rise, huge, huge rises in wages are where it's gonna become so important for us to fix the supply chain on the distributor side, educating our customers, right? It's not about the, the political aspect of should we raise wages or not, that's happening. That's a movement that our country is moving towards. We have to all get on board and support it and, and keep going forward but what's so important is that we educate the end user. So when you go out and you talk to McDonald's or when you go out and you talk to, you know, your local uh, you know, high school uh, booster club about selling them t-shirts, you have to really really educate them on what's going on. So you don't have to say, "Hey, we had to raise wages to $21 an hour, so the cost of ink went up and the cost of late production went up. So your shirt that was $5 is now $8.50." It's it's explaining to them that that this is a commodity product, but it's also a labor-driven uh, product and it has a tremendous amount of value. And so it becomes educating on the value of promotional products to complete that sale. And that's what's gonna help us create a workflow that's gonna support the entire industry. Uh, and, and that part is so, so important. Um, we're, we're gonna remain in, in struggle to hire people until we as a, as a, as a community, as an industry educate and help our clients create budgets for what prices are gonna be moving forward so that we can all make a healthy margin and survive.
2: I know, we were seeing it everywhere. I mean, when we were up in Maine even, um, every single door had help wanted, you know, machinists wanted, car person, every wanted, wanted, wanted. And when I talked to my customers, they say that they experienced this before pre-COVID too. Maybe not as prominent, but there was some labor shortages. And I feel like I'm wondering if it's almost exuberated by, by this. Well, obviously it is, but now we're just noticing it more as well. Or people are using that as a crutch too. I know, I don't know. I'm all over the spectrum with this topic. It's, it's just, it's very frustrating to see. And I feel bad for the business owners because on one side I saw Hey, we're short-staffed. Please just give us some grace. And it's like for them to have to put that on a sign as you walk in the door. Just, I can only really imagine how awful what what they had to deal with ahead of time to, it, have to put that up.
1: It's hard. I did. I did have this graph. I don't know if it's or not. <laughs> <laughs> I've got all sorts of stuff, but it was it was showing like the total number of job openings and then the total number of manufacturing openings. And I thought it interesting that it's. 10%, like 10% of all the jobs that are open right now are, are manufacturing jobs. Um, you know, so I, that's, it's startling cause that's, that falls into the production
3: side and that, you know, th- Think about how large that number of 10% actually is in our, in yeah, our it's, country. It's right? Almost that's a million a jobs. It's a million, it's a million. It is. I mean, w- so we employ in, in the back here and I wish, I wish I could show you, uh, but we probably get everybody dizzy. Uh, you know, 175 ish people in the manufacturing side of things. And, uh, well, that's what we—that's what we should employ, um, and it's nowhere near that right now. Uh, and it's not because we don't have the demand; um, it's because we—we we are very much struggling to hire people, even when with a massive wage wage gap. I mean, we're doing our best to try and become one of the best places to work for it. Right? That's, that's so, and a lot, and so many companies are. You look at the—if if you read what ASI put out a couple of weeks ago, some of the benefits that suppliers and distributors create in our industry is, is, its brilliant. It makes me so proud to be a part of this industry. Uh, but no matter what we do, cr- adding the, you know, uh, PTO for, for hourly employees get, you know, paying for 90% of the healthcare covering all the expenses at, you know, increasing wages to, uh, to a point where we can just break even on a, on a t-shirt or break even on a, on a mug, uh, unless we you know, push product, uh, in- increases product price increases out it, we still can't get people to come and, uh, of uh, what what happened on uh, you know all across or if it's pe- if it's fear uh, if it's uh, it, you know i, I don't want to, to get crude so um just well, i don't know what it is but it's it's, it's a struggle and it it it's a little bit disheartening right you have these yeah. phone calls every single day you guys get them as distributors we get them as suppliers and you want to help that's why we're here we're here to to provide a service um and uh yeah, This is where it all goes back to really educating our customers so well, making sure our suppliers are leading the charge, educating the distributors. And as distributors, you guys are leading the charge, ed- educating that end user.
1: It, it is interesting. I had a, I've repeated myself a few times over the past few months saying the same line. It's not that I don't want to sell you stuff. It's just, <laughs> it's just like, it's just not there. Like I just, you know, right. if
0: I had it, I would totally sell it to you. Yeah. <laughs> so, So I kind of want to back a little bit to when you were talking about reshoring and and sort of considering moving production to other countries and things like that because of something that maybe you foreshadowed in the past. What what exactly is the reason for needing to reshore or to potentially look at another manufacturing source? Because like you mentioned, you know, China has the, the labor of four times the population of the United States. Uh, you know, and I don't know if that's an estimation or, or or a wild guess or whatever, but ultimately they have a crap ton more of labor than than what we could ever imagine. Um, you know, so and and you know, they're one of the biggest industries, I, I believe, is manufacturing and exportation. So,
3: mm-hmm.
0: I mean, what was the reason for even needing to look
3: somewhere else? I, I think it goes uh, a lot of different ways, right? There's there, there's a myriad of different uh, of different factors. Uh, You know, the first being uh, as as manufacturing companies here in the United States, we need better control of our processes, uh, better quality control. And we need to, when these issues happen, be able to pivot and shift, right? We're always going to manufacture in China, but if we can pivot on a dime, we avoid a lot of these issues, you know, moving forward. We're able to produce and able to get things out if we can make raw materials here. Uh, I, I think another big portion of it is, I don't, last month, um, mid-month, Biden uh, uh, really got moving forward on his, uh, his, his supply chain task force, right? Uh, monitoring policies and trying to create regulations in what China is doing. You heard me mention what the Han ethnic group is doing, right, uh, in China. Those policy changes there are gonna have massive impacts at the tariff level, uh, even at the port level, right? Because they control so much of the labor force and then they control so much of the policy. Um, and so if you look at what what we're experiencing in just port delays, right? Uh, being able to load containers, get ships there fast enough, get things over uh, to the United States and all of the different ports, that's gonna be a continued struggle. And if we want to economically, I'll say that word for the 50th time to, it, today, uh, be able to control our own destiny uh, and being able to uh, create more domestic jobs. Uh, we really have to have that focus. Like Stephen said earlier, uh, and, and you probably more than most distributors uh, do custom overseas made the order. I mean, you work with Jason for years and I watched you do it and, uh, and you do a phenomenal job and it does create a lot of jobs, a lot of jobs here, a lot of jobs there. Um, but uh, we're getting to a, a point in time, you know, what, what I like to call the Amazon effect, where people's buying cycles are so much faster, and you know, no matter how good we are at creating a custom made order and importing it in two weeks via air, those fuel costs and all of these policies that are happening are going to continue to rise and change, and all of a sudden, that flag that's five dollars and twenty-five cents is going to be thirteen dollars and twenty-five cents. And then your sell to the to the distributor is going to be twenty, and then you have to make your margin, and then they're going to have to sell it for forty, uh, and and it it becomes uh, impossible from a financial perspective <laughs> because we've inflated the product, right? And, you know, like <laughs> I could go on an inflation for hours. You know, what we're doing from, uh, you know, with our with our manufacturing of our dollar right now, and what, and what that's causing, but all of those little things uh, are causing. This. And that is really why we have to reshore. Um, because if we don't, the, the inflation on our commodity based promotional products uh, is going to go so far through the roof, we'll never be able to control the process.
0: I mean, we already mentioned 10 million open or a, a million open jobs in. You know, in manufacturing already here in the States. I mean, how much more could you possibly, you know, have available for manufacturing in this country? You know, uh, if you're talking about moving to a different country, you're still nowhere near going to be able to scratch the surface of what China's capabilities are as far as their skilled labor and what they're able to, to you know, their um, capacity um, and you also mentioned even stateside, we're talking about these, uh, you know, the the wages and things like that, increasing, you know, doubling and tripling and whatever else it is. I mean, that's also going to create that inflation. So, I mean, I think it's still cheaper, even with the rise in air freight and container costs and everything else. It's still cheaper to import that stuff than it is to to manufacture it or do it here with the rise in costs.
3: It will be. Um, I mean, in the inflation
0: is going to, you know, it's, it's going to kind of screw us over either way, you know.
3: It is. It is, I, I, you, but as you know, as as job, as you know, employers here in the United States, as business owners, um, and as you know, as people that work in the manufacturing industry and, and, and a part, such a, a crucial part of our supply chain, uh, we also just have to take more control over the process and the destiny, so that we can, uh, we we can handle these these paradigm shifts or handle these economic disasters uh, yeah. in a better rate.
2: Yeah, I think that's the the key right there. Yep. Um, Steven, you had, you I think you had texted Jeff and I like a couple weeks ago, and you said, This is proof of inflation or whatever. You were like, I quoted this domestically and, overseas, oh, and the overseas yeah. more. Right? Yeah, so
1: I had a, a 10,000 bag uh, tote order and they had stock domestically. And I was like, Well, this kind of meets the threshold of an overseas. So let me check on overseas quote and got it quoted at three different mega, you know, suppliers. And um, it was almost uh, about 30% to 40% less expensive to take the domestic stock than it was to go overseas because the cost of the materials and the shipping costs had risen so much on new product that's being made than the domestic stuff that was already purchased that has already arrived. So it was, uh, it was night and day. I mean, it was significantly more expensive to go overseas on a new order.
3: Yeah. And, and a lot of that right now, like if we were to have that conversation, I would have said, Hey, with what we're experiencing in air freight, um, uh, weight regulations right now, um, having to split that, split that order up if it was being you know air flown in mm-hmm. between multiple, uh, Probably on multiple planes, uh, that's going to be a huge increase. What, if you look globally at, at, at petroleum and, and fuel prices uh, on the rise there. That's not going to slow down or stop any anytime soon. So while we'll be able to uh, on slow boating in, be able to crush uh, uh, domestic prices when we have the time frame when you you have thirty, sixty, ninety days, mm-hmm. six, you know for an order, uh, any you know any fast turn overseas, uh, is going to continue to struggle, uh, unfortunately, which, uh, and that's a, that's a big pill for me to swallow. It's so much of our business. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's what we're great at. Uh, it's what, you know, my last company Bam Bam's uh, is great at. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's why we're doubling down and and taking every bit of any money that we earned the past couple of years and really pouring it into domestic manufacturing, which part of the reason causes a lot of those job openings, Jeff, you know, because we've created so many new jobs, uh, but at the same time, um, before this issue, they were, they were filled. They were full. Um, you know, we, ha- we had 175, 200 folks back there. You know, we aim to have 250 to 300 folks back there this fall. Uh, and uh, uh, I fully expect that to happen. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to make the changes as a business. Uh, necessary that we need to, to fill those, those positions. And it's just, is what it is.
0: Sure. So uh, first of all, Brennan, Brennan Petrich says, uh, welcome to, uh, welcome to Texas. Welcome to Texas. I'm pretty sure that's how he said it. Yeehaw, or yee yee, I think is what he said. (laughs)
3: Uh,
0: Tim Hill says hello. Uh, Terry Compton and Megan Zezzo Taylor also says hi to everybody. Hi, honey. Frank Good says welcome to Houston, Ben. Thanks, Frank. Uh, Looking forward to seeing you. Brendan Petrich also comes in with a question for Ben and Steven. So looking forward with, uh, and with a positive outlook, what do you recommend distributors do right now to keep their customers happy, but manage expectations
3: for, you? want for to jump you? or you want me to jump, <clears throat> uh,
1: go for it. As the special guest, <laughs> Thanks. I, I always.
3: you always make me feel so good. <laughs> uh, it, it, that education side of it you know i'll make a i'll make a public offer right now any uh if, if any distributor out there that wants to do a one-to-many uh, conversation with your customers about this uh, i'll get on video uh, any time of the day and we can have that conversation with your customers open up the conversation about supply chain uh, to them uh, but you know i think something like a simple info uh, talking about these supply chain issues that you guys can go and take to your customers and, and say, hey, here's a really good way to, to understand what we're experiencing right now. And here's how. Here's some really unique ways we can solve it, right? There are some really unique ways that we can still deliver product um, quickly. Uh, it, it, it's, 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 it's gonna be a shift in, in maybe what they wanna buy, uh, but our job is to sell them on the value of that product. And uh, I'd love to help you do that uh, whenever the opportunity arises. So from a, a, an end user perspective, um, obviously
1: the education you know we have links in our signatures to articles and things like that that people can find out as we message them. We're calling people, setting up meetings. I think even a bigger step though is to to take some time and to manage your own pipeline to try to time things out because we we were doing this earlier we're like well, what are the projects that are? Two, three, four, five five months out that we need to then go and you know you have to organize yourself to figure out who you need to go help right now and so we're looking at previous years and then actually two years ago because last year wasn't even a good year to see okay who who was doing stuff q2 three q3 q4 of 19 and then looking at it this year and saying okay we need to talk to those people since they're back ordering now and talking to them about q3 q4 and saying hey this project, you know what's so getting ourselves organized has been, been huge, yeah. but, you know, and all, all this stuff, um, you know, it's, it's kind of downer stuff, but I would say, I would say one of the best things that comes out of, you know, the country and then our industry seems to be that, that line of like, was desperation creates innovation. So um, I'm curious to see where this goes, you know, we're going to have an interesting few quarters here and uh, we'll yeah. see what the industry does. <laughs> so
0: yeah. So, you know, if you guys have any other questions for Ben while we're on? No? no? Okay. All right. Well, I think in the interest of time, do we want to skip rapid fire this week or do we still want to do it real quick?
2: Oh, come on. We got to do it real quick.
0: All right. It's got to be real quick then. I'll go first. Ben, you're, you're aware of what's happening? No. He'll figure right. it out. See you guys, go, you'll go last. Yeah. You'll figure it out. All right. So, uh, real quick, we'll basically each of us ask a question, and then we all answer it uh, in a rapid fire succession. So, my question to you guys is: What was the last movie you went to go see in a theater?
2: <laughs> I don't know. We used to take the kids the- Disney movies, so I don't know. It's probably a Disney movie. I don't know.
0: Yeah. It's also good. <laughs> what's the last one you remember going to see? Good Lord. I don't remember. It doesn't it doesn't have to be that hard. I mean you know I'm not uh... I think it
1: was an animated movie of some sort. I can't remember what it was and it was gosh, right when they opened the theater back up. Uh,
2: that was like a couple weeks ago.
1: Well, it depends
3: <laughs> on where you live.
2: <laughs> Hi, ben if you know you
3: know I don't know I think it was an Avengers movie right before they shut everything down in, in uh. Richmond Virginia. I think we were visiting Brandito mr oh. mulaney yeah right, kevin I think,
0: I think the last movie i went to go see that, that i can remember was uh the star wars the last one episode nine because i know mm-hmm. that was in december or january of like 19 it was like right before everything shut down
1: i'll say that as well because i remember seeing that one. yeah <laughs> cool all
0: right steven what's your question
1: disney or universal yes
2: yes
3: <laughs> universal
2: I mean, for the adults, Universal 100%. But for the kids, Disney is so magical. Like, you have to go to, you have to do it. So,
0: Stephen, did you do them Alice both? Is- mm-hmm. did, you saw, so, you did them both on one trip.
1: Oh, we did. Yeah. Did one, one day at Universal, and that was an adventure, and then the rest of the days at Disney. So the, so, the answer is yes.
0: Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say which one did I go to. I said, which one do you like more? Actually, I didn't say it. No re-
0: there's no reason <laughs> to, to pick one. You can do both. True. Do both. All right. I think I like Universal better, uh, personally. y'all
2: answer? Okay. Yeah. We did. Okay. My turn. <laughs> all right. How many tattoos y'all got? <laughs> I saw Ben's tattoos. That's what inspired me. I was like, that looks badass. I love your sleeve or sleeve.
3: Zero. Hundreds. <laughs>
0: <laughs> really? Hundreds.
3: <laughs> I mean, they, they, they were all pieced together, they, you know, yeah. in not really hundreds, but uh, a lot. A, a lot. Not <laughs> a very high amount. Meg,
2: what about you? Huh? Uh, what about you?
0: Oh no, I said I said zero. Oh
2: zero. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I have
0: none. I mean, I, I love tattoos. I just can't ever, mm-hmm. uh, I can't ever think of something that I would put on me that I would still love thirty years from now. That's that's why yeah. I haven't. You know what I mean? I My know. wife and I like absolutely love tattoos. Like Ink Master is one of our <laughs> favorite shows. I mean, it's we love mm-hmm. them, but just yeah.
2: To find out, yeah, I have um, I have one from the 90s that I'm like, ah, it's an awful placement for a 40 year old to have a tattoo. So, <laughs> I I did get one of on my ribs last mm-hmm. year or two years ago, and I know um, when Kaylee turns 18, I promised her we'd go get tattoos. So,
0: is, does Meg have a tramp stamp? We
2: do. <laughs> <laughs> do, and it's a butterfly and a sun at the same time.
0: <laughs> Wonderful, that is oh, definitely man. nice.
2: Yeah, I right know, it's like. <sighs>
0: all right what is your question for us sir late nights or early mornings
1: Uh, late nights
0: both (laughs) (laughs) not not because i want to but you know i i feel like i'm i I used to be much more of a night owl uh but i'm getting back into that routine of like staying up way later than i should but then of course you know life and i still have to get up super early so (laughs) same but i prefer the nights what about you, Ben?
2: Oh, you got it. You got it. You got it. You got it coming. <laughs> and on that note,
0: <laughs> that just means, that just means he'll be the one that, uh, that gets to do the the changes and the feeding. I don't know if anybody,
3: I don't know if anybody heard me or how frozen I was, but I said I'm a night owl.
2: Yeah. We, yeah. And I said, uh, good luck. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You know yeah, what's I, really convenient I, I, about I late the night situation, beating. Ben, is that the, the tropical storm—it's named Elsa, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're frozen. Bad <laughs> joke. Come on, that was pretty that good. Was
3: really, that was, that, that was
0: that, well played. That joke of the year. <clears throat> All right, Stephen, did you answer? No. Yep, right. I did. Cool. All right. Well, you know, uh, if you if you you know. Uh, like to wear your sunglasses at night, I can tell you where you can get them. Uh, our friends over at Tech Cloud, USA, made in a world filled with worry about uh, you know, overseas products. They offer many USA made SKUs uh, to help separate themselves from the promotional products pack. And uh, like I said, those sunglasses are the bomb. Uh, But they've got a lot of FDA compliant products as well. Um, You know, in a time of uncertainty, knowledge that products are FDA compliant is key in allowing customers to feel at ease when placing an order and uh, sanitizers are still a thing. Um, Stephen, I'm curious to find out uh, how many sanitizer uh, stations were all around the parks while you were down there, if any at all. Uh, But, you know, Look, due to the due to coronavirus and the outbreak, uh, something that, that's still trending worldwide, and the CDC recommends sanitizing and washing hands to help prevent the spread of the disease. Uh, and they have many sanitizer SKUs to help combat the spread of the virus. So go check them out at Techwild.com for more information. Uh, guys I really appreciate your time today Ben it was a really uh, really good conversation and excellent um, you know sort of point of view and I appreciate you bringing your spin to the conversation because as Meg alluded to this is probably the new COVID uh, coronavirus topic where you know it's just going to be you know an ongoing thing occasionally that we'll probably end up hitting on as things continue to shift so I really appreciate your point of view man.
3: Thanks for having me. It was uh, a lot of fun and uh, it's always great talking to you guys. I hope to see some of you in Chicago. Yeah, Maybe. definitely. That's coming up.
0: <laughs> Maybe.
2: Um, first off, congratulations, Ben, on everything, on the new house. Well, you don't have a new house yet, right? Or do you?
3: Well, yeah, we rented a place. Okay. Gotcha. Well,
2: congratulations on the new, the new job, the new baby. Megan, wish you guys nothing but the best. And yeah, that's it. That's
0: all I got. All right. Sweet. Well, we'll see, you, uh, we'll see you next week, guys. All right. Take it easy. And uh, until then. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Promo Corner's Industry Insider. For more great content from industry thought leaders,
3: including podcasts, blogs, and videos, visit promocorner.com.